and welcome to 40 Gray, a podcast by two 30-something dudes whose adult lives and responsibilities haven't eclipsed our zeal for stupid, nerdy shit. From 40K to video games to, I don't know, Transformers to Florida, man. If it's your fandom, we're your tandem. As always, I'm Ben, a.k.a. LS Demon, and I'm joined by Tom, Tommy Bones, Bonesaw Miniatures at Instagram. Tom. Hello. Tom, we got some very special guests joining us today uh, in addition to us, don't we? We do. Super excited. That's right. My mom is finally on the show. Welcome, Mrs. Ben's mom. Mrs. Ben's mom. I know you're disappointed with how my life turned out, but no, just kidding. We've got Alpha Busa and Speaker, the men themselves behind such awesome work as Warhams, Emperor Text to Speech. If the Emperor had a podcast, there's probably some others I'm forgetting. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. You, you forgot to mention Emperor's Finest. Yeah, and uh, you also forgot to mention the Boreal cast. Fuck you. I told you. <laughs> You're not allowed to talk about that. I told you from the beginning. <laughs> okay, kick him out. Kick him no! out. Kick him out. No! I will not have this on this podcast. We're on Zoom, so I'm going to send you an unhappy reaction oh, here. There oh, we go. No. That, you know, the crying, the laughing crying emoji is not as severe a punishment as I expected. Oh, I thought it was just crying. Here's a heart, as in you right. ripped my heart oh. out. Oh, uh, you. Red. I'm bad about it now. <laughs> so for those that don't know, you guys are responsible for, for one of the biggest, I'd say, universes of, of content in the Warhammer fandom and one of the last kind of remaining bastions of free thought. Boy, that sounds like really a post-apocalyptic, doesn't it? That's a little too intense. Yeah, yeah, we control the, the final water mine in this blasted wasteland. Dooming away. Who control Watertown? Blaster, blaster! You, you guys, thanks for being on the show. Let's. I'd love to start with a little bit. Could you both just like introduce yourselves and and a little bit about what are the roles you play in in the creation of the show? And for those that know your voices sound familiar, what are some of the characters that you play? Speaker, you go ahead first. You're more used to this. Oh sure, yeah, no problem. Yeah, hi, I'm Speaker D. Speaker, whatever. I'm uh, one of the lead writers of the If the Emperor Had a Text Speech Device. I also do some voice directing from time to time, and uh, I also and Pi Brain on Warhams, as well as Mercurian on Warhams Fantasy. In addition, in for TTS, I voice Asdrubail Vect, the Emperor when he's not on a text-to-speech device, Hammurabi, and uh, oh, I voice Bellicor now too. That's exciting. And oh, so, yeah, that's that's essentially me. If you like any of those strange individuals or any of those projects i probably had some to do with it speaker it's great to meet you thanks for being on the show yeah great to be here absolutely yeah i am alpha busa i am the creator of the big fan fiction if the emperor had a text to speech device internet series i um uh that's it I think. Oh, wait, hold on. I did play the snotling snorg on Warhams once. The the ever-punished uh, snotling, who was also probably a gene-stealer cultist. Uh, <laughs> that was fun. Those are all the feats I have accomplished in my life. Wait, hold on. You're forgetting something. Yeah. What am you're I forgetting your, your important working relationship with the tabletop visionary Mr. Dragonblade? We don't... I, I don't... Um, I don't think I talk about that. Oh, um, oh um, is it too exclusive? I... Oh, okay. like he, he kind of hates me. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> this is going to sound really bad out of context. But <laughs> oh, no. But. Desperately want to give you like context for this, but I feel like I can't just for the sake of uh, what's the wrestling word? 
Oh, the kayfabe, kayfabe. Thank uh, you. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, Are you yeah. guys wrestling fans too? Absolutely. I'm a wrestling fan. I'm, I'm going to get alpha sometime soon. Because you know, that's, that's one of the topics. Well, it's, it's not really a thing in a lot of the U S but that's one of the like passions that we have on the side that we cover from time to time. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Did an episode just, not, not too long ago. Oh, like about what in particular? Uh, it, the weirdest gimmicks that we've ever seen. That sounds very good. That's like one of the things that fascinate me most about wrestling as someone who has barely watched wrestling. I, um, I really like the gimmick characters. <laughs> and spoiler alert, a lot of them were uh, super racist. Oh, yes. Ah. That's, it, it was funny. It started out as kind of like a, a lighthearted episode. Then it became like a really dark like expose on like, American <laughs> yeah. culture from the 80s. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Delving into the dark recesses of history. Yeah. Speaking of dark recesses, uh, what you're know, thinking back to to your childhood or youth? Yeah, no, that's a great uh, segue. <laughs> what what brought you both into your love of 40k? Uh, like, how'd you first get into the hobby or or get attached to the lore? Well, um, speaker, do you want to go first or? Oh yeah, sure. I mean, uh, I it's it's kind of a very strange set of like fortunate circumstances. As a kid, I always sort of wished, like without understanding or knowing what 40k was, that there was a game like 40k, like a game where you can, you know, control your own armies. I was like, oh, that'd be so cool. You could like make your own and they could look like whatever they wanted. Oh my God, I wish this existed. And like, I expressed this one day to someone who just said pretty much verbatim, bro, that's just Warhammer. And so I walked to like this nondescript shady game store, played a practice game that I didn't fully understand. And I was like, I like this. I should come back here. However, I had a terrible condition at the time. I was like 11 years old and I did not know directions or how to navigate. So my love of 40K went unabated <laughs> for some time. Um, but eventually condition. got into it and in high school a lot. Uh, got like became president of my local tabletop game club, whatever. Uh, you know, found some friends and got an absurd amount of clearance models. And uh, I've yep. been addicted to plastic bullshit ever since. And, and speaker, was there like a first faction or army that captured yes. your 11 year old heart? Yes, there was. When I first started playing, I, I, I did gravitate for my very first practice game to the Tau because I thought they looked like battle droids. Oh, uh, boo. Like, oh, I like them. <laughs> oh, no, 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 don't worry. No, 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 no. They're not my, they weren't the army I actually okay. wound up playing. Because later I found out more information and I realized that it's not normal for you to be that bad in combat. So I started playing <laughs> Chaos Demons uh, as a young Babino in fifth Whoa. edition back when they were the worst army in the game. And I had a lot of fun with them until the Grey Knights Codex came out, in which case the worst army in the game became the worsterest <laughs> army in the game. And I picked up Dark Eldar for my one true love. Oh, there you go. Awesome. Yeah, I did fucking hate the town, mostly just because I can never win against them. But, but you know, I think we got a, a player that comes on pretty often who's a Dark Eldar guy, and I can't beat him either. So, Speaker, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm glad you joined antithesis. us. Antithesis. You're on the antithesis. antithesis. <laughs> we do love some chaos demons. Speaking of demons, Alpha Buse, so what brought you into 40K? Well, I was nine years old and saw my friend's brother's models, and I thought they were supremely cool. Then I went to my local hobby shop and bought my first model, and that's the way it went. The, yeah, that, that, that is how I got into Warhammer. The Just, just for the record, my first model was the corn champion on a horse for Warhammer Fantasy. I don't know why I part, like, picked that one in particular, probably because it looked cool. Yeah, but I never, I am never 
done like a coordinate army for fantasy or anything like that so the thing that happened afterwards was i got a a pack of uh, tomb kings a tomb kings regiment box from my parents on christmas later that year i'm pretty sure which is then what properly spiraled me into the fate that i have landed in Awesome on both counts. <laughs> Curious. I know like, you know, growing up in the US, I think because I moved a lot, there was one place I lived where there was a games workshop, but most of the rest of the time I was stuck trying to find a, a hobby shop that actually sold models. So I don't know if you guys, you know, if you had a games workshop, you had access to or a hobby shop, but I'm curious, like, was there something about the, the hobby culture that also drew you in? Well, for me, okay, so we, there was a, uh, the local hobby shop that I have here in my little town. That hobby shop is still going, which I think is very interesting. It's not a games workshop. It's just a hobby shop it's called the hobby shop, but in, in Swedish. And I, I think it, the thing that made me like extra enthused about it for some reason was just other than the fact that Warhammer like looks very aesthetically mm -hmm. i don't know cool to a child there was also this uh, well the, the uh, one of the owners of the hobby shop who is now a friend of mine was like i don't know he had the the, the sensei energy i suppose like, <laughs> he, kind of, he kind of looked up to him as this fucking like hobby god at the time when we were like 9 11 10 i think at one point we actually got the opportunity like we, we managed to uh, for, for somehow he offered us to teach us how to play the game in the hobby shop. I think this was around when uh, Battle for McCrag had released or a couple of months after. So we were going to play McCrag with him. And that was like the most exciting thing that I had ever like experienced. And we were like going to get to go and uh, meet up with him again and play another game and just actually get to get involved with the game. Which we had, we weren't able to because, first of all, we didn't know English at all. We couldn't read the books. Second of all, <laughs> none of our parents could read, could, like, decipher the books. Even if they knew, like, a little bit of English, they couldn't decipher this, this advanced <laughs> level of English. <laughs> so, but he could. <laughs> so, to actually get the opportunity to play this cool fucking game was, like, amazing. And then we never picked him up on it again. And it ran in, ran out into the sand for years and years. I, I love that story for a lot of reasons. I think, first of all, certainly, even if you spoke a little bit of English, it would be extremely hard to decipher the rules. I mean, Tom and I picked up Kill Team a few years ago, and we're still fucking things up that we only found out about when we went to our first oh, tournament. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I like, Wait, that. you can attack through walls? Uh, I quit. <laughs> but but it's interesting like if that young man hadn't kind of taken the time and, and been a mentor figure to you like who knows if it would have cultivated as much love for the hobby which then maybe text-to-speech wouldn't have happened yeah no that is completely true i have i have consistently thrown a lot of credit at him and now i use all of them like the money I get from my Patreon and just spend it on models that his hobby shop keep it running. <laughs> That's a great story. And I, I, I'm I also... feel no shame, no shame over my pile of quote unquote shame because that that money was well spent no matter if I put together their models or not. 
Oh yeah, and you, you happen to be quite quite uh quite good at putting together models. At the very least, you have quite an ex uh, impressive collection at this point. Oh yeah, I, I I cannot paint models for shit. Like I'm really really bad at painting, and I don't want to do it. But I do and really enjoy putting together fun models. So. I've com I'm commissioning my my other Swedish friend to paint the models for me, and he's really good at painting that painting them in kind of a an essentially kind of like an, an muted ink twenty eight style more or less is what he tends to go for, and I love it. I, I adore it, and I have an army of essentially a gene stealer cult and it is like every time i look at it i get like a boost of serotonin that helps me through the day so that's actually one of the questions i was going to ask is what's your favorite model in your collection to both of you alpha abuse is that your favorite one the gene stealer cult model uh well my my gene stealer cult army is it's a bit weird because it's uh, essentially the idea was okay i want a gene stealer cult because i love gene stealer cults but I want it to be unique. So I made it uh, a Beastman gene stealer cult. At this point, it's kind of a multi-cult as well, because I've also thrown Beastman. in like snotlings and Vespids. I have like <laughs> Vespids. Awesome. I, I just kind of want to like throw in every cool model that I can find. <laughs> and but it's primarily Beastmen. And I do have a model that I am going to play if I get the opportunity to actually play with it uh that i play as a um i'm gonna play it as a what's it called the, the turn of the smoke forge world malanthrope yeah oh that is essentially a kit patch between a malanthrope and a bull centaur and some other bits and pieces and uh it's a really has a really cool like silhouette i really really like it that is one of several like many many several that i really really like but yeah <laughs> anyway speaker please my turn please. uh yeah i am uh i'm I do not have a like especially fantastic uh, painter friend, so I rely on my own ability to paint, which is like almost zero. And so my hobby projects tend to look like terrible car crashes. I've gotten a lot better <laughs> recently. Um, but one thing I am actually good at is uh, I found I'm actually reasonably decent at kit bashing and conversions. And so I think some of my favorite models are, uh, I don't really play Chaos too much these days. I, I've sort of phased out of them largely, but... Uh, I've got some really fun chaos conversions. Like I've got a chaos spawn. I converted out of a crisis suit. That's like a like, oh. like a pilot exploded inside and is like oozing out. Cool. It's like this like amorphous weird kind of sledge. It's got like a guardsman and it's sucking him in. Uh, but I think really uh, my favorite effect is probably my shittiest one, which is I have a chaos space marine havoc that has a heavy bolter but it seems to have broke and he is wielding it with two hands vertically like a club. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, if it makes you feel better, I, I've been trying to paint these things for like 20 years at this point and they just look like garbage and it sucks mm -hmm. because Tom, you know, he's got this Instagram channel where he shows some of the amazing effects he does and he's got the, the spray paint oh, thingy. What's your Instagram? I like no, don't don't give me too much credit. It's a... <laughs> I like to follow model people on Instagram. Uh, it's uh, Bonesaw Miniatures. Yeah, so my my tagline is basically uh, inartistic mini painter uh, trying to become less inartistic. <laughs> uh, so you can follow me in real time and watch as I go uh, to slightly maybe above average, hopefully. Yeah, like stay optimistic, as we always say. It practice like makes perfect. <laughs> so really to get you speaker into ink 28 though because oh you've you've gotten me i just haven't the, the the reason why i haven't gotten more into it is that uh all the models i recently have are all harlequins and hmm. the idea of assembling them is 
incredibly anxiety inducing because of <laughs> just like harlequins are built to give you anxiety to have you build like a bunch of them yeah paint them meticulously and then you find out that the weapon choice that you selected for the edition is now terrible and you want to like explode so i'm like uh, every time i sit down and i start working on it i'm like all right what should i build kisses caresses uh, I, don't, I don't know and it's like and they're like the same it's so irritating because they're the same fucking thing but they're like so drastically different and if you yeah. build the wrong one no 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 you're you're in here now your throat side, side note let, the language of I, we actually had a whole episode on met weapons and i was making fun of the fact that like if you're talking about your harlequin team it sounds like you're talking about an adult movie it's like would I rather have a kiss or a caress or a hug or the harlequin exactly. gentle like butt pat exactly that, that's it they're they're a really lovely army um that is just hell on earth to think about oh god i will explode when they get a new codex maybe i'll be more certain about it i don't know maybe 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 they should release more models they, they should they have like they have like less models than i think like is, blood angels have unique models seriously there's so much potential with the harlequins because their lore is so like Sweet. Yeah. Like it's kind of criminal that the Harlequins have such grounded models, but they could make like walking circus tents and like you know circus animals and just go like crazy with it. Oh um, yeah. Oh yeah. They, they I, could like grab anything from the webway because the webway is kind of weird in the first place. They could justify much weirder models, which would be much more appealing to my to me to me at least to me. I agree. I am um, unfortunately as the uh, premier Eldar stan of the TTS crew. Uh, mm, God yes. hates Eldar, uh, but hopefully, this is true. hopefully, this is true. I we lost all our special characters, man. <laughs> <laughs> Have you? Oh. I I tried playing Craftworld once, man. Have you seen those sculpts? Oh my god! They're older than you are. They are. They're like they're like old enough to vote and die in war. <laughs> they were old enough to vote during Bill Clinton's presidency. Exactly. We're gaming in the Clinton years of these fucking uh, models. It's it's terrifying. Hard to be an old man in a young man's game. Hard to be <laughs> <old> man. <laughs> true. <laughs> Very true. On that note. Uh, so how uh, where did the idea for text to speech come from okay so i do not remember exactly when i wrote the original script i just kind of found it on my computer one day uh <laughs> i probably wrote it like in late 2012 and then forgot about it and then found it again in 2013 more or less and then I, when i read it i was like oh this is pretty funny i'm gonna make this a video now and then i did and then people for some reason thought it also was funny because you had a lot, lot lower standards in 20 fucking 13 and other than other than the fact that the very first comment i got was from my friend larry asking me where his birthday video was there was mostly <laughs> just comments asking can you make this a series this has so much potential make this a series and then i did a second episode and uh that one got even more like recept good reception and then i by episode three i came up with a story for what like probably could or should or just because i wanted to happen as you could as a result of the emperor reacting to the state of the imperium being even more dystopic and horrid than when he was alive. And that's just how it continued on since. Just us coming up with more and more and more plot beats and silly thesis statement stuff, general fun stuff to present throughout the series. Yeah, that, that, that's that's pretty much it, I guess. 
How'd you end up choosing Magnus and Dorn for the really important, almost like deuteragonist roles next to the emperor? Oh, so, oh Lord. Uh, for Dorn, I am unsure if it was that big, uh, like, I don't think there was a whole lot like he was lost knew that much Mm -hmm. he had mysteriously disappeared I reckoned oh well maybe he just went to Terra and hid there to guard the emperor (laughs) considering he had a lot of guilt after the Horus heresy so I was just like okay he goes to Terra like he travels through the galaxy and ends up on Terra again to then you know give a vow of silence I just stand by the emperor's side in his centurion suit. And it was the joke was like the, the, the reason was mostly that, oh, we have this centurion character. What if he was Dorn? <laughs> like that was it. And like, the rest was, was history. Kind of, yeah, it was just kind of, oh, we have this opportunity to have this be Dorn in like this funny haha plot twist. And that's just how it went. I hope that the Dorn that you guys feature is canon because I cannot take him without the mustache now. Like if he doesn't have the mustache, he's not Dorn for me. Yeah, unfortunately, he does not have the, the mutton chops whatsoever. In he does if you have green stuff. Ah? This is true. This is true. It's true. If he returns, like if, if you know, Games Workshop goes full, like, ah, we're just going to do whatever we please and brings back Dorn anyway, for some reason. If he has a mustache, that'd be pretty neat. <laughs> but I, I'm pretty sure that he it's just a thing that we like. It was a fan interpretation uh, back in back in the day. And we just kind of went with it because we thought it would fit. And, and just to differentiate it from, you know, 30K Dorn, essentially, and show sure. that there is some a bit of passage of time but anyway for magnus um so magnus is a lot like his father like his story is entangled with the fate of the imperium and uh the emperor in a way like very unique to all primarchs and going past how he was going past how he was you know obviously wronged in many ways he is much like his father blind to his own failings and sees himself as like an ultimate authority and his hubris hasn't suffered failure after failure. Like he is selfish to the core, a clear reflection of the emperor, a know-it-all with the power to, with the power, like with a lot of power to enforce his will. So like him throwing ball with the emperor is of course naturally funny as the two inevitably crash into each other and over and over. Also, he's very popular. <laughs> <Certain books, laughs> like, has painted him as very easy to empathize with. And yeah. uh, he has consistently been seen as one of the Primarchs that'd be the easiest to reconvert to the Imperium, essentially. And this is something I know one book recently even doubled down on, one of the Horus Heresy books, or the mm-hmm. Siege of Terror books, as the Emperor tried to convince Magnus to come and sit on his throne despite being rotten to the core with chaos. And he, he, he even promised him leadership of the up-and-coming Grey Knights if he was a good boy and returned to the fold. But it, it made it a very easy pick. Like, Magnus did a... Yeah, it was Magnus was essentially very very easy to fit into the mold of the series and have him you know scream at the emperor the emperor screams back it was a pretty natural fit i guess <laughs> it's it does feel so natural because as you say in, in the fiction it just seems like if the emperor was a little bit more empathetic or understood people a little bit more he could have prevented it and he could have brought magnus back and, and that he's just waiting for someone to come and kind of validate him and bring him back 
So it was, yeah, you know, yeah, in, absolutely, absolutely. And in watching, you know, the emperor just uh, in in the show, like smack his ancient, get Magnus's soul back. It was just like this weird, like nerd fulfillment moment of like, yes. So thank thank you for that moment. Yeah, we'll we'll see how how we go forward with that character relationship in particular because Magnus in in our series, you know, is getting is getting better, but I wouldn't say that the emperor is getting a whole lot better in in conjunction. Yeah. Like I think that his 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 actions are to a large extent pretty superficial or something like that. Like he's just he's, he's an asshole. Like the emperor is straight up an asshole and he has a long way to go before he can actually get some proper character development or whatever, <laughs> mm-hmm. as opposed to Magnus. So then question to both of you, obviously, you know, I just mentioned the Magnus redemption arc is a nerd fantasy. Are there any other prime arcs that you guys would love to see in the show or that deep down you'd really hope can get redeemed? I know what Speaker D is going to answer. He's... Oh, am I? Do you? Yeah. Yeah. What am I going to say? Star- Joseph Joestar, me. A... Oh, an A? Yeah, you know, I really I really hope that the TTS crew gets around to doing something with, you know, <laughs> Alpharius. I'm, I'm a big fan, and I just really would like it if Alpharius were to, you know, in some way factor into the series. But this is probably a pipe dream, and, you know, it's unlikely for that to ever, ever happen. But, uh, <laughs> I know, but in terms of actually, I guess, Primarchs, um, I guess uh, without saying too much, I feel like the Primarchs that we bounce off each other, I mean, like, we sort of have an expectation that at some point, probably even for the Primarchs that are fucking dead as doornails, we will do something at least to acknowledge that they exist, and so we will probably get to do some sort of TTS version of something or another. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, and this is not a plan that we have, but if we ever, like, wanted to look at what was going on with fucking Ferris Manus back in the Horus Heresy, we, we can kind of do that. So I suppose the question is instead, which characters were more excited to see appear uh, in the story? And mm-hmm. I have to say, I of all of the Primarchs, my favorite are our good old friend, Rabuda Gilliman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I actually and agree. that's going to be a lot of fun, I think, when we finally add um, some Gathering Storm context to the wider series and we get to have Gilliman appear. Because much of the idea for TTS, the idea that, all right, the Emperor's back. Oh my God, you people are idiots. Oh my God, we got to fix everything. That's very much a thing that um, GW is more doing now with some of the modern lore with Rabuda Gilliman. Though in fifth edition, he was sort of reviled as like this specter of like GW favoritism and like, you know, lore writing. Now I think that his reputation has kind of rightfully sort of uh, uh, elaborated itself, improved. Mm-hmm. And I think that I'm just very excited to see a character that is so constructive up here. <laughs> uh, because everyone's kind of like a, a really funny idiot. Yeah, and that's yeah. fun. And I'm sure Gilman is also a funny idiot in his own way. <laughs> um, but, you know, like the Primarchs tend to be sort of smarter than the typical TTS characters because TTS sort of takes place with this assumption that pretty much everyone is stupid. And I, I, I'm excited to see characters like, like him and, you know, the other Primarchs that are maybe a little bit more focused on building rather than the destroying. And of course, Alpharius, but as we all know, there's no such Primarch. So he will never be appearing. Or, or he could be in it right now. We don't know. Well, I mean, I, um, I don't know what you're talking about. We don't know. Wait a minute. Are, are you speaker? Are, are you all furious? I need the next question. 
Can we get the next question, please? I, I want to say in regard to... <laughs> <laughs> what I cannot wait to do with Gilliman, because I actually agree. I think I want Gilliman back the most because I, there's a lot of potential with this character. In particular, because as Speaker said, he is going to be like one of few that are actually constructive in their approach. And I think he's just going to have an existential like nightmare coming back uh, into the like coming into the series. I, I reckon like he will try to be like the, the ultimate straight man and try to set everything in place. And I feel like he is going to need to go into a closet and listen to some ASMR on his lonesome. Because he gets so quickly and so often overwhelmed by the amount of like incredulity that goes on. So I yeah, I cannot wait for that. That's gonna be a lot of fun, I think. What, what kind of do you think he does like a like rain sounds? Is it whispering or is it like no, Tibetan? No, 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 no. Uh funky Kong ASMR. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every every TTS character uh, listens to Funky Kong ASMR. Every single yeah, time. yeah. It's the only reason why they you know can go go through the day. It's this weird <laughs> thing that just everyone happens to have in common. I just want to say uh, uh, one 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 last thing on the subject of Gilliman, I suppose, in Primarchs. I think it's really fun to have Gilliman, who has now kind of had his entire reputation redeemed since the fifth edition days. I think it'll be really fun to have him contend with an Ultramarines chapter that was essentially written at the height of people hating Ultramarines and yeah. is thus characterized as such. <laughs> oh, God. And I think that uh -huh. that disconnect is going to be a lot of fun. And two, uh, another, another Primark I would love to do something with is a Primark I actually never really liked and have recently become like inundated with why they're cool. I, I, I hope we at some point get a chance to do something cool with Stanguinius. Even though he is at presently burger meat. Uh, <laughs> I'd eat that burger. <laughs> a heretic uh -huh. burger. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting. I hmm. I'll, yeah. I'll put, you know, it's funny, speaker, you're talking about like kind of ebbs and flows. Like you'll read a book and all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is a really interesting characterization of, of a character I hadn't thought of before. For me lately, like the last couple of books, it's been Perturabo is is like a pretty interesting. Oh yeah. Game. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I get. Have you? Did you read in particular the like his book? Yeah, I'm on. I'm doing Angel Exterminatus right now, and it's you know kind of like with Bagnus. It's like, man, if the Emperor could just like get his shit together and just be like, I love you, you're you're a good dude. Like, yeah, it might yeah. be okay. You know, <laughs> he he could have ended up okay. Yeah. Poor old, uh, old Peter Turbo, as we call. It. Actually, we call yeah. Robute is rodent guillotine for us. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Robot Girly Man myself. Robot Girly Man, love it. Gorilla Man also. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about the process for making episodes? I know you've got uh, a lot of actors involved and uh, you know, time differences being on the opposite ends of the world. Hey, yes, speaker, do we want to take this one? Oh, yeah, sure. In the process? Indeed, yeah. Well, our process has changed a bit. Uh, over time. I think now it's as yeah, healthy okay. and efficient as it's ever been. Uh, <laughs> I, I, back, back in the old days, it was kind of just like uh, a really like Wild West, you know, it'd be like, all right, we get this Google Doc, someone write for it. And just that would like anyone could kind of step up honestly. And it was like a, a very um strange day. Now, now we're sort of a more of a system to where myself, uh, Erndale and Alpha are more in, I guess, the reins of what we're doing. Uh, we have weekly meetings. Uh, and uh, while time differences are a huge pain in the ass, 
they're mostly a pain in the ass for um, like voice direction reasons. Because I have, uh, as of late, uh, been able to shift to doing this as kind of my, um, I guess, present job, I suppose. Uh, I've been getting up at Swedish time, um, you know, so 5.30 a.m. <laughs> to write for teachers and make a funny joke. And while that is hard because I am a night owl by trade, um, uh, it is uh, really efficient and honestly fulfilling. It's just really fun to kind of get up in the morning and just work with Alpha on this bullshit. And so largely, I would say the process goes, the the, the evil council decides we want an episode made. <laughs> we deliberate who amongst the evil council will write the base script or who, like which of yeah. the two or three like, or whatever. Write down the plot beats from the plot Bible, more or less. Exactly. Like, um, I give an example for our newest upcoming podcast. I won't say any details, but essentially it was decided we would have a podcast about this subject. I said, okay, I'll grab it. I've written the base script, uh, almost done with it. And once that's complete, everyone, and as that's being completed, everyone will kind of go in and we'll take a look and we'll say, oh, this joke sucks. Oh, this grammar sucks. Oh, this sucks. <laughs> and then once we've made it not suck, then we'll keep refining it, finish it. Uh, and then once that script is completed, we'll go ahead and we'll uh, grab our voices and our voice actors. We'll bring them in. We'll have them record with us. Send the huge, postulating, terrible file to Alpha because he's very specific. He wants you to do an entire really long recording of the session so he can take your outtakes and put it in the episode on occasion, which I think is genius. Yeah. And I think has led to some of the best lines in the series. Also commissioned artwork. Of course. Oh yes. Commissioning <laughs> artwork. And eventually once all of that's kind of rendered down, then it mostly becomes Alpha's wheelhouse as he does. He and his sort of coterie of, of evil geniuses sort of get to the work of editing and manufacturing the series. And I think doing this, has allowed us to really work a lot more efficiently and uh, combat some of the legendary um, long pauses between uh, TTS, uh, TTS shit. Um, this process has become most refined, I think, for the episodes that are about to be released. Currently, yeah. we're in a bit of a big, 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 big lull. It's also evidently partially because I am dad now, so... Yes, congratulations. Uh, we didn't know if you want to talk about that or not, but you, you oh, yeah, had no, no, your, I have already, your... Like I threw out a message about it on like Instagram and Patreon already. So it, there you it, go. Is, it is public knowledge. Uh, but yeah, due to that and due to the fact that... No, that mostly due to that, honestly, uh, it's been going a bit slower. I have recently been releasing parts of episode 30, which also, this is kind of a bottleneck in that episode 30 has been... oh. God, um, it has been really hard to edit because it's a prolonged warfare scene, kind of mm. like episode 26, part one, which has entailed me animating a lot of, well, battling, essentially. And this has meant that the episode has taken extra time to make, which sucks, of course. Um, but now that I'm actually uh, getting back into work a little bit, I'm hoping to finish up the third part and then we'll actually release episode 30 on YouTube and then immediately hop onto the next project and start releasing that one potentially in parts as well, just to continue it on. For, for the record, I have released them on Patreon. However, they are entirely free to go and watch. You just have to go onto my Patreon to access them. Anyone can watch them because whatever, I don't care. <laughs> I just, I just didn't want to make them entirely public because I uh, am a coward. Hello there, it's me, Nigel Bixby, the 40 Cray Intrepid Explorer. Hello, jolly good to be back. 
and I haven't been here since episode two. <laughs> well, this one's shaping up to be a multi-parter. Stay tuned for the next episode with Alpha Busa and Speak D. We'll talk about the future of their shows, how they think Games Workshop's business is developing, and share some opinions on Warhammer Plus. Until then, ta-ta. Thanks for joining. Cheerio now. <laughs>